Uh, thank you, Musette. I requested, uh, I requested Days of Elijah uh, specifically for today's sermon I, because it's perfect <laughs> for this day, this New Year Day. Let's begin as Albert often begins. If you join. Our Lord, our God, we have gathered in your most holy name that we might drink together from the water of life. We come to praise you, for you are our Lord of all creation, to enjoy you, for you are our heavenly Father, to learn from you, for you are our wonderful counselor, and to serve you, for you are our almighty King. Open the floodgates of heaven, Lord. Let the river of life flow through this great city as we seek to love our neighbors as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our Lord, as he walked to Golgotha, the place where he would die, walked through the city and was forced to carry his cross. As many of us know, he was beaten to the point near death. It was one blow shy of a death sentence before he had to walk with his cross through the city. And when he did that, as he walked, his mother watched him. We know that because we know that she was at the foot of the cross when he died. And as that is depicted in the Passion, which is what these pictures are from, you see Mary, Christ's mother, looking on her son, who can barely walk, carrying his cross through the city as he's whipped by Romans and as he is disparaged by the people watching. And she thinks back to when she saw her son, a boy, in Nazareth, falling, stumbling. And there, as a mother, she feared for his safety. And she ran to him, and she picked him up, and she said, I'm here. And that's the memory that flashes as we see it when, when in the film, as she's watching her son, the man, stumbling in the street. And in the movie, she runs to him. And she pushes through, and she braves the whips of the Romans who are pushing him on. And she, and she goes to pick him up, and she says to him again, I'm here. And in the film, as he gets up, picking himself up, he reaches out and he caresses her face. And he says to her, see, mother, I make all things new. I find it very moving, obviously. It's more moving when you see it in the film. And he walks on to the cross where he dies. And I want to start with that today because Christ called us to pick up our cross and follow him. And following him means having the ability in the darkest night to see through to the new day that will dawn on the other side. The words, I make all things new, are not from the gospel. They're not from the part where Jesus is walking to the cross. When he, when he wrote this scene, what Mel Gibson does is he takes words that are of Christ, that come from the end, they come from Revelation, 
They come from a place that Christine spoke about, Pastor Christine in July, where Christ sits on the throne, enthroned here on earth as king, and he declares, Behold, I make all things new. And Gibson takes those words and he brings them back and he puts them into the mouth of Christ as Christ walks to the cross because that is a fact of that situation. Even though Jesus, we don't know what he said. We don't know if Mary came to him. We can imagine this probably happened and we know that she was there. But the truth is that when he walked to the cross, he was seeing through to what that would do for us. And today... On New Year's Day, as we talk about new things and we look forward to the new year, I think it is best that we think about what that newness really means. And what that newness really means is that you come back to life. Okay, that's the resurrection. You are going to come back to life. There are two options. Either you are coming back to life here, if you believe in Jesus, or you will see him riding on the clouds. That's why I had to sing that song. And in either event, you will be made new. This is my Happy New Year slide, but I'm going to jump past it. Happy New Year! <laughs> what I want to talk to you about this morning is Biblical New Year. What is the New Year? It's 2016 has gone, and it's 2017 now. You know what the importance of this day is? It's my son's birthday. <laughs> other than that and it's Mina's birthday yesterday other than that what's the difference? what is important about this day? 2016 gone 2017 is here that's arbitrary this is a pagan day frankly this is a, why are we celebrating New Year today? because somebody decided at some point in time that this was the New Year we're going to celebrate what's changed? nothing we make resolutions. Why? I want us to root this in reality. So I want to talk to you about biblical New Year. That's what. Let's can I go back. Yeah. Oh, no. Forget it. There was a Bible behind the New Year sign. Biblical New Year. This, this is what changes. Paul tells us, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we who are living shall be changed. And Paul is telling us that you are either going to be dead when Christ comes back, in which case he will bring you back from the death here. That's resurrection. You are going to come back to life. Or you will see him riding on the clouds. And everyone sees that. So... Paul says, behold, I tell you a mystery. He's talking about this mystery of our, of our new life, of our being raised imperishable. But there's a mystery in there for us, too, because we're so dissociated from the history of this all that we might not know what this means. What is he saying when he says, at the last trumpet? For the trumpet will sound. What do I mean by riding on the clouds, my son asks? Maybe I should explain that. This is what I mean. When Jesus speaks of his return, he says, when the trumpet sounds, you will see the Son of Man riding on the clouds. And that means you will see the King coming back triumphant. We will see that 
at the sound of the trumpet. That's the trumpet. It's called, what is it called? Shofar. Shofar. <laughs> Went out of my head. It's called a shofar. Some of us know about this. That's the shofar blast. In the Bible, God gave festivals, holidays. We call them holidays. Why? Holy days, says Jeff. Yeah. We lose, we lose track of these things, right? It's a holiday. But no, it's a holy day. And God gave certain holy days. And he gave those holy days because he was in relationship with us. In a relationship, you have a past, you have a future together. And you need to take time to think about those things. There's another thing. Okay. We talk about the resurrection. Do you think you're coming back? Coming back to life here? In this place? In this world? Do you really believe that? Because a lot of times what happens is you kind of you, you abstract it. It gets, it gets disassociated from your reality so that you just live your day-to-day, say, oh, I'm going to be resurrected, you know, Jesus, blah, 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 blah. But you don't take it to heart and live like it's true. You don't believe that it's true. It's like magic. It's like, it's like hocus-pocus. That was my way of getting to say hocus-pocus. Does anybody know where hocus-pocus comes from? The word hocus-pocus, you know what that is? It's like a magic phrase. Right? It's also a Disney film with Bette Midler. So Hocus Pocus is what witches say or something. Hocus Pocus, historically, comes from words hoc est corpum meum, which is Latin. It is Latin to say, this is my body. Does that sound familiar? It's the phrase that the Catholic priest would say over the communion to bless it. It's the phrase that we say over the communion, but the Catholic Church spoke exclusively in Latin. And you had a church service where people went and they didn't speak Latin. So what did they see? They saw a guy saying hocus pocus and doing magic over the communion wafer. No, right? It got, it got taken away from what it really means, from what it's really about. What is communion? Communion is our remembrance of what the Lord did in dying for us. But embedded in that is our remembrance of the fact that the Lord didn't die. Ultimately, he did. He came back. And it is our remembrance that he's coming back. And what that says to us is we are coming back. You are going to be resurrected. And each time you eat of that bread and drink of that wine, it is a reminder that you are being resurrected. And you do it until his return as a reminder that he's coming back here to this place to be with us when you're resurrected. So uh, now I'm going to... I want to talk to you about holy days. In the Bible, God... This is in, um, in, the, in the book, the first five books of the Bible... God sets out days of remembrance, days of ho- that are holy, set apart, festivals, 
for his people to remember what he has done in his relationship to them. And those days also look forward to what he will do in his relationship with them. Passover is the day that they remember being brought out of Egypt. Redemption out of Egypt. So in, in Passover at the time they were in Egypt, the angel of death was sent as a plague. He would kill the firstborn in any house. So the Israelites were instructed by God. At that time they were not Israelites, they are Hebrews. They are instructed by God, kill a lamb as a sacrifice. Put its blood on the doorframe and the angel of death will pass over. And after the angel of death came and killed those who did not have blood on the doorframe, the firstborn of those who did not have blood on the doorframe, then Pharaoh let the people come out of slavery. They crossed through the water of the Red Sea and went into a promised land. Passover is the exact day that Jesus was killed. Passover started 1,200 or so years before Jesus was killed. And at that time, God, in the scripture, told the people, Take, do this in remembrance of what I did when I took you out of Egypt. And that was the past part of what he was telling. This is our relationship. This is how I have loved you. But there's a future component of that which we now know because it was fulfilled in Christ. All the while that they were celebrating the Passover, they were looking forward to Jesus, who would be their sacrificial lamb, who is our sacrificial lamb whose blood washed over us, whose blood covers us, that the angel of death would pass over us, and we would pass through the waters of baptism and come into the promised land of his kingdom. So all of this that came in Passover pointed ahead to the redemption in Christ. And there are two, other, two others of this. Three days after Passover is the first fruits. It's the festival of the first fruits. It's given in scripture right around Passover time. The festival of the first fruits is a festival where you celebrate the first part of the harvest, and it is a festival of hope for the harvest that will come. And Paul and James and the apostles, they write about this when they talk about Jesus. He was the first fruit of the resurrection. He was the first to be resurrected, which is a promise of our hope that there will be resurrection to come. And on the day of the first fruit festival is the day Jesus was resurrected. Shavuot is the Feast of Weeks. It happens 49 days, 7 weeks, 7 times 7, after uh, the festival of the first fruits. That is to celebrate the giving of the law at Sinai. 1,200 years or so before Christ, God met the people at the mountain and gave them the Ten Commandments and the law. We know this, right? 700 years before Christ, the prophets, thereabouts, prophesied that a time would come when the law would not be written on tablets of stone, but be written on the hearts of God's people. That is, that they would know the law, that they would follow the law, it would be innate to them. It would be who they are. It would be a part of what they do. That is fulfilled at Pentecost. Because at Pentecost, the Lord sent his Holy Spirit and his spirit writes the law on our hearts. So again, God gave a festival that pointed back, but also pointed forward. Because his purpose in the holy days is that we would remember who we are and who we are becoming in him. That we would know 
that our relationship to him has history and our relationship to him has a future. Because it's in that knowledge that you are able to live your relationship with him. That's our history lesson. This is New Year. You can't quite read it, but it says Yom Teruah. Does anybody know when the Jews today, the modern Jews, celebrate Rosh Hashanah? Say again? It's around September or October. Rosh Hashanah means New Year Day. They celebrate New Year based upon this holiday right here. Yom Teruah means the day of blowing trumpets. There's a whole holiday that God's created to blow trumpets. That's what Paul is talking about when he says, Behold, I tell you a mystery when the last trumpet sounds. God gave us a day as his people to remember what he has done for us and to look forward to what he will do. The blowing of the trumpet is what occurred at Mount Sinai when the people came out to meet God for the first time. A trumpet blew. No one blew it. God blew it. But the reason that the Jews today celebrate this day as New Year goes further back than that. It's because Yom Teruah, the day of the blowing of the trumpet, is the day, traditionally, that is the anniversary of the creation of Adam. It is the anniversary of the creation of human beings. So New Year Day is for us to remember that God created us. Right? How did God create us? What did he do? He blew, says Linda. Thank you, yes. He blew. He breathed into us and created us. He did that because he loves us. What does the day look forward to? Yeah. It looks forward to his new creation of us. You are coming back to life. You've already been given new life. In the Old Testament, there's a depiction of the resurrection. This is in that song that we say. In Ezekiel 37, there is a passage that is so vivid that when I listen to sermons in preparation for today, I listen to three sermons in which the person describing it skipped over all of the detail of what it says in 37, I think because it's like a horror movie. In Ezekiel 37, God takes Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones. And he says to Ezekiel, see all the dry bones. Can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel says, Exactly what you say to God when he asks a question like that. He says, uh, you know, Lord. <laughs> I don't know. I think you can. You're the one who's going to do it. And God says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesied of these bones. The word prophesy does not mean tell the future. We, we think it does. It doesn't. It, it never did. The word prophesy means speak my words. The Lord tells you, speak my words. And he prophesied, he says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones. Bones, get up and live. This is Wes's paraphrase. But he does it in detail. Sinews form. 
muscle come back. And after he does that, the bones begin to rattle. Ezekiel says this. God doesn't. God says, you, Ezekiel, prophesy to them. Say these things. And then Ezekiel says those things, and then the bones begin to rattle. And they come back together. And they form up into people. And the sinews come, and the flesh comes onto them, and there's their people. And then God says, Ezekiel, tell the bones this. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And he tells Ezekiel to say that to the bones. And Ezekiel says that to the bones. And the wind comes up. And the breath enters them. And they live. And ruach, the word, wind, ruach is the word breath. Ruach is the word spirit. In Acts on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, what, do, what does it say before the Spirit comes, or as the Spirit comes? A great wind. The wind of the Spirit. When Jesus comes to speak to his disciples in John, this is John 20, 21 and 23. Again, Jesus said to them, this is after Jesus has come back from the dead, just like we're going to do. Jesus comes to them and he says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from anyone, it is withheld. Jesus came back and he breathed on them. Yom Teruah, New Year's Day, the day of the, the trumpet blast, is the day to remember that God breathed in us. And he will breathe in us again. God breathed in you when he created you. God breathed in you when you accepted Jesus and he put his spirit into you. And God breathed in you, or will breathe in you, when he brings you back from the dead here. So, what does that mean? How does it relate to the first thing that I said from the Passion? And this is how I think it does. Okay, this is a picture. It's a, it's a depiction of the Good Samaritan. I put it to you, it's also a picture of Christ ministering to us. Has Christ healed you? Christ has healed me. Is Christ going to heal you? Is Christ going to restore you? When I ask you, do you believe you will be resurrected? That's the question. When you accept the truth of the resurrection, that's what you accept. Christ is going to restore you in every way. Christ is coming back and he will restore you in every way. Is it unbelievable that someone comes back from the dead? Yes, that's why, that's why Paul says it's a stumbling block. That's really what we believe. That's really what we preach, because that's really what's going to happen. You will be restored entirely. So this is Christ ministering to us. But Christ gives this as a message of what we are to do. What did he say to his apostles when he came back and breathed on them? 
He deputized them. You have the resurrection. You know you're guaranteed restoration. Great. You can survive anything. What happens when you're invincible? What can you do? We can survive anything. That's what it means when he says, when he says, um, forget it. I didn't have that one prepared. So this is, this is, this is a different place to go than that. Dude, that's what he means when he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. That's where I was going with that. It means you can do it. When he is walking toward the cross, and he says at that time, and he, we know at that time he is making all things new. He is keeping his eyes on the resurrection through the pain and the darkness. He's keeping his eyes on the new day through the darkness of the present day. That's how we are to walk. When he says, pick up your cross and follow me, he means along that road. Okay? If you're going to be restored, then your mission is to bring that restoration to others. If you're going to be resurrected, then your call is to bring others to that resurrection. Whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do, works that I do. And greater works than these he will do. The reason that on New Year's Day, God gave them a trumpet blast was because a trumpet blast is a blast of spiritual awakening. It's a blast of actual awakening. It's, it is a sound that calls you to action. It is a sound that says God breathed into you. He gave you life. God will continue to give you life. You cannot lose your life. Am I right? You cannot lose your life. He that wishes to save his life will lose it. Because you can't. Our time's not running out. We have eternity here. The time is running out for others. If you think your time's running out, maybe it's running out. If you're running out the clock and waiting, then your time might be running out. We have eternity because we have resurrection. So what do we do with it? We do with it what Christ did with it. We do with it what what God told Ezekiel to do. When you have the valley of dry bones, it's not just a promise of the resurrection. it It is a call to prophesy. It is a call to speak God's words to those dry bones. When God was talking to Ezekiel, when he gave him the vision of the dry bones... What God was talking about was the depleted state of the people of Israel. They felt like dry bones. They were in exile from from Israel. They were in torment. They were persecuted. They felt lost. They felt abandoned. And God said, I will rebuild you. Who do you know today who feels this way? Do you see brokenness? Do you see dry bones? We walk through that. But yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will not fear evil, right? Why? Because we will be restored. Because we are resurrected. When you live in that reality, you can go into the places of darkness. You can go into the places of death. You can go into the places of pain. 
We can do that. The early Christian church grew because there was a thing called the Black Death, the plague. It was so terrible that people were, were as if you found out someone had it, you fled. You kept them, you, you, they, they shut down whole cities, well, towns. Where did the Christians go? They went in. They didn't go out. They didn't flee. Why? Because they would be restored. Because they would be resurrected. If you believe this to be true, then you will do that. Now, we don't have a black death. But we have darkness. My, my wife has a friend. And her friend suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. And if you've dealt with mental, I've had mental illness in my family, so I've, I've, I've dealt with this a lot firsthand. And it is, it is very difficult for those on the outside to, uh, to, to deal with it. Uh, and what I mean by deal with it is to sit with somebody through it, is to, is to work with somebody while they are suffering from that. Because mental illness can be very, very self-destructive. And the person who's in it is caught up in a delusion. And they do not understand exactly what's going on. And they can say things to you and they can do things to you that are very hurtful. You put yourself in harm's way when you reach out and when you sit beside them and you, and you come to them. And even if they're close, I have got uh, siblings who, 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 have, um, uh, who have bipolar disorder. And it, uh, as I, as I um, have, have dealt with them and sat with them and, and, and been with them, um, uh, it can be, it's very hurtful. Uh, I, to go back to, uh, to Lean, her friend cut her off in a, in a, in, in, in a way that, 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 that was very hurtful to her. But her friend did so in part because of the nature of the illness. And her friend has done this to all of her friends. The friend has done this to all of the fr friend's family. Because that's what these illnesses will have you do. So that she is alone. And Talene has continued to go after her. Has, we went to her house. We stood outside knocking to bring her a, a gift to try to speak with her. We've did, we did this twice. She has called. She's prayed over it. She's gotten together. We went, when her, when, her, when her mother died, we went to the funeral so we would be there. There are very few people there. We were there with her. And, and we continued to do it even though, even though especially for, for Talene, it's very, it's very hard. Um, and she recently wrote a message. And through the, the, the text of delusion, uh, where you can, I mean, reading between the lines, you have to kind of read past a lot of stuff that's said. You can hear that her her heart is lonely, and that she's she actually expressed it was a, it was it was a, a, an email that expressed gratitude to to Talene, and 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 expressed longing for their relationship to be to be brought back together. And she and that's there that's her desire that's her heart, but it's but it's hard for her to push past the brokenness that's in the way. She would not have written that, she would not have had that support and restoration. She would not have felt that in her loneliness if she had been cut off. And the world, the world that is not living in, a in the resurrection, the world cuts that off. We as Christians don't. We as Christians can't. John says, no one has ever seen God. And then he goes on to say, so love one another. Why does he say that? 
Because we are God's image bearers here. Because we bear Christ's name. We are Christians. Why is there a commandment that says, do not take the Lord's name in vain? Because you carry his name. He says in the Old Testament, I have put my name upon you, he says to Israel. The benediction which I will give at the end, this, the part we don't read to you, is that the Aaronai priests, after they give the benediction, they say, then God says, therefore you have put my name upon them. We are the, are, are the church. We are Israel. He says in the New Testament, and in the Old, that he will put his name upon Gentiles. That's us. We bear his name. When Christ says, you are the salt of the earth, He's not just meaning be spicy. He's not just meaning be attractive. The salt at that time in ancient times is a preservative as much as or more than it is a seasoning. We don't think about it that way because we've got better ways to preserve. But that's how they preserved things. He's making this world new. And as Christine pointed out, that means renewing this. He's not making new things. He's making all things new. And we are part of doing that, making things new. We are preserving this place. That's why we're salt. How do we preserve it? By giving that restoration to others. By bringing it to them. We preserve it by standing in the place of pain and and, and dry bones and being a beacon of light. We are his representatives here. When he says they shall do greater works than these... We will do more than he was able to accomplish while he was here because he is working through us to do his work. Because he has put his love into you that you might go and put that love into others. And how do you know that you can do that? How do you know you can do that when you're depleted? Because he will restore you. We will be resurrected. He will bring a kingdom here. We will be a part of that. We can spend everything. Everything. Because we don't have to hold on to anything. Right? You can expend your social capital. You can hang out with the people you don't want to hang out with. You can hang out with the people no one wants to hang out with. You can do that. They can't. The, the, the illustration of the, of, the, of the person who has the mental illness that keeps them in a, in, a, in a trap, that's not just for people who have paranoid schizophrenia. That's the nature of this world. That is how Satan has them bound. You, you, you isolate when you are not with Christ. We have community because we have love, because we can reach out to each other without fear, because we can come to one another without looking out for ourselves. When you're in an, a, a, an argument or a fight, when you have a broken relationship, what keeps you from repairing it? You're looking out for number one. You've got to protect yourself. It's dangerous in there. How am I going to go to you and say, that's okay that you did all this stuff to me, right? You don't say it that way, right? Because that's kind of like saying, it's okay that you hurt me. It's okay that you hurt me. How am I going to come to you and say, I want to make things right with you and forget about vindication for myself. Forget about making myself better. I want to make things right for you. We're, we have dis, disunity. We have brokenness between us. I hurt you. You hurt me. Forget about the fact that you hurt me. How did I hurt you? I want to reach beyond anything. I want to reach beyond anything that could be about me, and I want to just be about you. How do we do that? 
And I, I, I put it to you, we do that in the same way as Christ continued to walk toward the cross. He had his eye on the resurrection. He had his eye on restoration. You're going to be restored. You're going to come back to life. You're going to come back to life here. So you have the opportunity to bring that. St. Francis says, preach the gospel. And if, if necessary, use words. That's how we live. Preach the gospel in everything you do. What's the gospel? You have new life. What's the good news? You're not done. You don't end at the end of this all. You come back. That's the good news. You come back. The disciples, they didn't get it, right? They had, they had Ezekiel 37. They had the prophecy of, 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 of new life. They had the prophecy of resurrection. Why didn't they get it? Christ was dead. They were devastated. Why? Because they, like us, had trouble processing the resurrection. But he did come back. We know he came back. And what does that mean for us? It doesn't mean hocus pocus. Okay? It means hoc est corpum meum. It means he died that we would not have to. That's what it means. It means that we will see him riding on the clouds. We will come back to life and we will be there when he comes back. He's making this world new. This world new. I mean, I think we've said this from the pulpit here before. I'll say it again. Your destination is not heaven. Your destination is not heaven. Your destination is the kingdom. And the kingdom is going to be established here. That's what Revelation says. That's what the end time is. He brings it here. He connects heaven up here. His dwelling place is here. When he sits on the throne and says, I am making all things new, I make all things new, he's talking about here. So when you look around and you see things and you're trying to figure out what should I value, you think about what would this place look like fixed? Because that's what he's going to do. That's the work of making new. What's this place look like fixed? You're in a job that you think is mundane? You don't know what your purpose is? Find his purpose in that. Find restoration. Find how you make this place new. Last point on that. Talene's fantastic with setting things up for people's birthdays. She set up our house so that it's got Star Wars everywhere, hanging from everything, decals on the wall. This is for our son's birthday. And I was coming downstairs this morning, I was thinking about this, this is part of how we are to do, that's what we're to do here. We're supposed to come, think, come up with, pray, not just think, pray. Get from God. What can I do in this world? What, where can I put the Star Wars decal? Where can I put the decal of God to hang it out there so that when someone walks through this world, they see him everywhere? How can I be that? That's the salt. Yeah, it's seasoning. But it's preservation. Why is it preservation? Because we need to convince them that the resurrection is real so that they will be resurrected. And you don't convince them that the resurrection is real by words. You convince them that the resurrection is real because you believe it's real. And you live in a way where they think there's no way that this person would do what they're doing unless they were coming back. That's convicting. That's convincing. And that's what we're to do. That's how we make this place new. That's how we preserve this place. That's how we preserve these people. That's the, that's the important part, the people. 
And then, we, then when he comes back, we run toward him. Which brings me to the second part. And this is the last. The second part of the shofar blast. The shofar blast is his breathing into us and reminds us of his, of his old creation, his original creation, and it tells us of the new creation. The other thing that a shofar blast is, and this is what it is in the Old Testament, is a coronation horn. It is the sound that they gave at the date of coronation when the king would be coronated and made king. And New Year's Day, that anniversary of the original creation, that Yom Teruah, that's the same as the day that they coronated their kings. We got the inauguration coming up. That's what we do too, right? Somewhat. Around New Year, you get a new... Well, when they had a king, the king would be made king whenever the old king died, but they would officially coronate that king, anoint that king, and make that king like king-king and have the big ceremony... That happened on Yom Teruah. So the other thing that you're doing when you live the resurrection that relates to this trumpet blast is you're blowing the shofar. When Jesus came into Jerusalem and they went out on Palm Sunday and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Save us, Savior, save us, save us. They were welcoming a king. When Paul says, he will, at the sound of the last trumpet, we will, we will rise up in the sky to meet him, he's not talking about a rapture. He's talking about what they did at the sight of a returning, conquering king. The people came out of the city to meet him. They ran toward their king. They could do so because, because there was peace, because he had made peace. That's why he rides in on a donkey. How do you run towards Christ? How do you run towards Christ in his second coming? You do it by living the resurrection. You do it by living as though you'll be restored. Because that that says again and again, Christ is coming. Christ will resurrect me. Christ is king. And what does the kingdom look like? It looks like this place fixed, right? So that's that's how we're we're to live with the vision of the kingdom. In the valley of the dry bones. So that the dry bones would live. That's how you prophesy to them. That's how you speak God's words to them. And that's what we're to do. And that is what New Year was supposed to be all about. You want to make a resolution? You can, you can lose weight. I'm going to try that one too. Make this resolution. Find the person or the people where your relationship with them is broken and you can put yourself out where you put yourself into harm's way for them and show them the resurrection. I want to read one more thing. This is from Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's Paul talking about the state of Christians. And what does he say about it? No. We are not just being slaughtered. We are not just poured out. No. In all these things, We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor heights, nor deaths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, our Lord Jesus. And that's it. Nothing can separate you. You're coming back so you can face anything. And you got to. Face it for their sake. Believe the resurrection is true and live that it's true for their sake. Because we want as many people there when he comes as we can get. 
Yeah, amen? amen. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Today, New Year's Day, is also the first day of the month. So we get to have the communion and we get to think about what that means. Really, you're coming back. He's coming back. And we proclaim his kingship now and his ultimate kingship, his continuing kingship, when we take that. I want to um, take a time to recall with you what happened on the night of communion. When Christ established this meal for his remembrance, it's the night on which he was betrayed. He was eating a Passover meal. He was celebrating the Passover, one of those festivals that God had given, that they would remember the nature of their relationship from the past, and they would think to their relationship of the future. And his, his disciples did not recognize what the meal meant at that time. But looking back to the Passover lamb, whose death allowed for the passing over of death, Christ was pointing them to what he was about to do. And Christ took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he called them to do it in remembrance, to break the bread again and again until he returns in remembrance of him and in recognition of the resurrection. He took the, 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 the wine or the grape juice and he, he, he gave it to them and he said, drink this. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And as you do this, as you take this meal and you do it in remembrance of him, think on how you can be broken and you can be poured out. It's not just the Apostle Paul's, I am poured out like a drink offering. Pour yourself out. Allow yourself to be broken for their sake, as he did for us. That's how we make things new. And that's why we do this meal in remembrance of him. So when you take this bread and drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of what it really means. Here at Trinity, we have open communion. That means that if you are a believer in the resurrection, if you believe Christ, if he is your king, doesn't matter if you're a member of the congregation, doesn't matter if you're a member of the Nazarene denomination, please join us. Take the bread and, and, and the cup. Take a little dip. No drinking yet. Just a little dip. In remembrance of him. After you've had a chance, actually, let me pray over this. And then following the prayer, I invite you to come up. God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, you are King. Spirit who has indwelt us and will bring us back from the dead. Lord, you've given us new life. Lord, you gave us this meal to remember the new life you have given us. You gave us this meal to remember what you did for us. You gave us this meal to remember that we don't need to remember the, 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 the bad things that we have done because you don't. We look forward to your resurrecting us. We look forward to your coming. And we proclaim with this meal that you are king, God. You are king of us. You are king of this world. It is yours. And we proclaim that. We blow the shofar, Lord, in your honor. We blow the shofar to remember your creating us. As we take this food, as we drink this, can we please, we ask that you would move in us, Spirit, to call us to remember, to call us to know, 
that you are king and you will be with us forever. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Pray these things in your name.